How are you folks? Welcome back. Episode 117. It's been a while. It's probably been a week or two since uh, we've done a podcast. I think the last one, uh, yeah, it's been at least a week or so. Uh, took a week headed out to Alberta. I was out there for a wedding and uh, just got back. So now I have two weeks of quarantine and uh, two weeks of really great podcasts. Uh, so let's uh, get into it again. This episode sponsored by our friends at Maritime Madness. Check them out at MaritimeMadness.com. Over 30 different flavors of hot sauces. Use the code FLA10, save and receive free shipping over 35 bucks. Get that spice in your life. You can steal that Maritime Madness. All right, folks. Uh, again, a fantastic episode lined up here today. Really excited to uh, so this guy, if anybody knows anything about social media, you obviously follow this guy, especially if you're a martial arts fan. Uh, his name's Rob, but more importantly, he runs the McDojo Life uh, podcast, social media, documentary upcoming. Uh, this guy's kind of all over the map with what he does and does it very, very well. Uh, I'm all about this kind of stuff where, you know, I'll let him kind of get into it a little bit more, but he's a guy who's been involved in the community for a hell of a long time and uh He's uh, doing fantastic things, and I, I really love it because he does a fa- like a daily show, um, pretty much daily, and uh, you know brings on a lot of different people and just uh, the conversation you know that he has with a lot of different people, the dialogue, and uh, not scared to kind of bring up hard topics, not scared to cover hard topics, not scared to pe- call people out, which in this day and age is really kind of hard to come by. So I really like that. He's a real dude and uh, straight to the point. So without further ado, Mr. Rob. <laughs> How are you, buddy? What up, man? Thank you for having me on the show, man. I appreciate it. Always love yeah. talking crap. Yes, I know. That's it, man. Like, that's, again, like, I've been following you for quite a while, but that's, again, why I wanted to bring you on. Like, it, it kind of motivates me. You know, I look up to people who we don't have conversations in the world anymore. Like, fuck, people don't, like, want to talk, you know, and when someone calls them out, they they get shy, you know. It's like, oh, you know, that person's rude to me, but it's it's important to call people out in this day and age and just have hard conversations, you know. Well, I just think it's it's important to have open dialogue. It's fine to disagree with people. I think we're in a, a day and age where people grow up on computer screens. And so as they're growing up, they realize that there's some anonymity there. They can hide behind the screen and they don't have to worry about repercussions. And so they say the most nasty and vile things behind the screen. But then when it comes down to meeting a person in real life, they don't realize that they're programming themselves to be that way everywhere. And so I think that that's why we're getting people who were just so mean and nasty to each other all the time. And I figured like, if I'm going to take this job that I have, where I'm trying to make sure that we keep the martial arts legitimate and away from frauds and phonies, that I need to put myself on the chopping block as often as possible to have my ideals and my ideas and my thoughts uh, put up to the test with other people's ideals and thoughts. And I'm willing to have my mind changed. So I might learn something by having these amazing open dialogue conversations. You know, I think it's important. It's huge. It's huge. It's exactly what you said. It's it's open dialogue, and you might learn something, which is uh, what gives me goosebumps because that's so true. Like uh, we look at in our business every single day. We're like we we run an MMA promotion and a podcast, like every other goddamn person in the world, who, right? So if yeah, we can't true. learn, like we're we're learning every day, we have no idea what we're doing. So we we have to learn from people like you or people who run promotions or whatever, right? And. It's uh, it's almost like checking yourself, you know, like just kind of when people call you out, it's it's important to be like, you know, not always am I right. 
Yeah, of course. <laughs> that would be weird, right? And right. if you're surrounded by nothing but people who agree with you all the time, you're surrounded by the wrong people. That's a cult. You're surrounded by people who basically <laughs> are just waiting for you to fail. They don't know it yet, but they're waiting for you to fail. They're they're riding the wave of success and they're just going to be yes men to you. Oh, awesome job. Good job. But then when you make a mistake, they're going to say the same thing. And that's a problem. You need people in your life that'll go, hey, man, I'm not going to be a dick about this, but I just want you to know that I think that this was a mistake. And you go, oh, Okay. You know, not people who are just going to name call or point fingers, but people who are really going to give you some legitimate criticisms and go, okay, well, I need to look at that and go, well, maybe I can fix that. Maybe I can make it better. And I actually had that happen the other day. I posted someone up on my page yeah, and then uh, somebody did like a rebuttal on TikTok and they were like, I don't think that you're right because of all these reasons. And I was like, oh, well, why don't you come on alive with me and let's mm -hmm. talk in front of everybody. So that way it's not edited or chopped up. And then we can have an open dialogue. And it was like, kind of didn't go very far, but at least we had the opportunity to have that dialogue without it being like name calling or bashing. I think it yeah, it's, that's so important in this day and age, man. Like with the whole name calling and bashing thing, it's, I, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of the bully mentality myself. You know, it's coming from a martial arts background. It's just like, well, I'm just going to punch in the fucking mouth. Like that's <laughs> how I am. But you know, yourself, like how, how did this all get started for you, Rob? Like, uh, you know, you're down in Florida did, you know, again, you have millions of followers around the world when it comes to total views and everything, like how did it all kind of take off for you and get started? Well, I mean, I've been in the martial arts for 23 years. So I started when I was 12. So it's been something that I've been doing pretty much the majority of my life. Um, and then I was a blue belt, one stripe blue belt or so when I was at uh, the academy that I train at. And I was working the desk at the time. And my instructor called in and he was like, hey, man, just let you know, I don't feel very well today. Will you do me a favor? Cover the noon class. I was like, not a problem, man. So I taught a few techniques. We rolled. And then after that, everybody just kind of stood around. We were shooting the crap. And then one of the new guys, he had only taken martial arts like maybe two times in his entire life. And uh, everyone left and he stayed behind. And he was like, hey, man, when you guys were talking, y'all brought up something called the McDojo. Can you kind of explain what that is to me? And I kind of gave him my version rundown of what I thought a McDojo was at the time. And he uh, he looked at me and he goes, huh, how come no one does anything about that? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why no one does anything about that. And so that's something that echoed in my head pretty much for the rest of the night. So I got up the next morning and I started McDojo life. And it used to be way different. It was a long diatribes. Like I'd write these long paragraph yes versions of things and now it's changed into more like i want people to think for themselves i don't want to do everything and then no one has anything to retort or rebuttal because i did everything for them i'd rather people think for themselves and make their own decisions it makes sense totally makes a lot of sense actually because it probably helps the content as well really well i mean a certain never runs out unfortunately yeah <laughs> Yeah, I saw your latest story, but it's important, man. It's super important because we all know anybody who's involved in this sport or martial arts in general, this, there's tons of that kind of shit happens and, and never stops and it's going to continue stopping. So I commend you, man. I think it's super important. Well, I appreciate it, man. I just, uh, just do my thing. Like one day I was a martial arts instructor and the next thing you know, like overnight, I wind up kind of doing this for a living. I like made a decision once I hit about... 50,000 followers or so. I was like, I think I might have something here. And then when it hit 100,000, I was like, okay, I do have something here. What do you do with it? And how do you keep it? So that way it's not 
self-destructive because the martial arts is very self-destructive. Like the community itself is very vile. I don't think that a lot of people outside of the martial arts realize what it's like inside. Yeah. Like on the outside, you look at it and it's preached as honor and integrity and respect. But then when you get to even the upper echelon of coaches, it's nothing like that. Mm -hmm. It's a bunch of people talking about how they're better than everyone else. And they do it all the time, 24 hours a day. And that's toxic. It's not a good environment. It's not healthy. Um, and I realized that honestly earlier this year, <laughs> like, I mean, I really realized how bad it was because I went to a thing called shot show and shot show is like the, the biggest gun expo there is in the United States. It's huge. Okay. Yeah. It place over a week. It's in like this beautiful hotel. You have to go like two stories. It's like two floors of just like nothing but booths. It would literally take you a whole entire day just to walk the entire oh, floor. Wow. That's it. You didn't stop. And so when I looked around, I had this moment and I was like, the gun industry has not been around as long as the martial arts industry. It has. Martial arts has been around a lot longer than guns yeah, have. Certainly. The gun thing instead of ever learning martial arts. Yeah. Like when I looked around and I realized one thing that the martial arts is missing at the martial arts super show, which is the big expo for martial arts, it takes you maybe 10 minutes to walk around that entire place. 10 minutes. Easy. Even if I decided to stop. There are a lot of seminars and there's a lot of like conversations, but there's not a lot of like actual businesses that are represented there. And so when I real I looked around, I realized I was like, huh, well, the gun industry has only been around for this long and they are huge. And then the martial arts industry has been around for way longer and they're so small. It's a lot smaller than people expect. Why? And it's because the gun industry has one goal, two way rights. The gun industry is heading towards one direction as a team. Whether they have infighting or not, they are willing to put that aside for the moment just to make sure that they can continue to exist. Martial arts doesn't have that. Martial arts does not have that universal, we want to progress martial arts. They only have, we want to progress our art and we can give a fuck less about everybody else. And that's toxic. Mm -hmm. That's, it's it's funny because I speak a lot of the, the same because it's like a fighter's union, like, you're always like right now, this whole COVID thing, in my opinion, has actually hurt fighters more than it's helped because now like it's the pay grade is going to get worse. I think truthfully, like you're all, and you're always going to have people who are willing to fight for nothing or fight for like 500 bucks to get to that next level. And it's like, you could come together and be like, no, we deserve this amount, especially right now. Right. But it's, I don't know if it's like you say, it's, 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 it's I want to build my team and I want to get there. Instead of a whole, I think another problem is a stigma. So there's a there's a big stigma in the martial arts. It's kind of a problem. It's it, it it kind of opens up the door when fighting has become more popular now. But for the longest time, if you were financially successful in the martial arts, no matter how you did it, you were considered a McDojo. Like if you ran a great school and you were getting paid very <laughs> well, there'd be somebody across the street going, "They're just giving away belts. They don't know what they're doing." Yeah. Why financially successful? And so because of that mentality, a lot of guys who were coming up, not necessarily just fighters, but guys who were coming up who want to be coaches, who want to teach or who want to open up their own studio. Um, they have this mentality going in that, OK, well, I want to keep integrity. So I'm not going to learn anything about the business side. I'll just teach the on the mat. And that's the most asinine thought you could ever have in terms of running a business is mm -hmm. to say, I will ignore the business. And yeah. so I see so many great martial artists who put the money on the back burner 
for integrity purposes, not knowing that it's really just really, really dumb business sense. And then their business is closed within a year or two. And yeah. it's like, I can make the world's greatest pizza, the best pizza on the planet. I cook it in my oven. I set it on my countertop. And if I stare at it, I will be the only one that knows that. that is great. <laughs> Even if I'm going to have the best, well, technique is the same thing. If you, you could have the best class in the entire world, you could be the best coach. No one gives two turtle shits how good your class is. If your gym smells, if you're not paying your, your instructors, if you're not there on time, if you don't welcome guests, if you're not doing follow-up phone calls, if you're not checking on your retention, I could do that list forever. And most martial artists, if I ask them, what's your retention rate? They would go, what's that? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, it's, all that stuff is like basic business things, especially even like I'm shocked that so and here it's different. You know, I will say we're in a really small area here. We have like probably 25 schools maybe up here. But regardless, yeah. if you're running like to me, like the more organized you are, the better your business is going to become, I think. Right. At the end of the day. So if you're if your back end is, is super tight and you're forecasting things and you're like, here's my eventual goal. You know that's exactly where you want to be and um, but you know it's everybody's different i guess but how do you survive in a big city when there's four academies in your city and you're and you're not doing those things right yeah like, it's just not smart or even you were talking about like fighting you know like even fighters fighters coming up are just signing contracts without thinking twice and then even the highest level fighters are signing their contracts and then wanting to go back and renege on those contracts, they don't feel fair. If you didn't feel it was fair, don't sign the contract. <laughs> That's yeah. how you screw yourself and literally <laughs> everyone else. If yeah. you're at the upper echelon and you're making agreements to lesser money, that means that everybody else is going to make lesser money under you. There, mm -hmm. No one's going to give them the lower guys as much as you. And no mm -hmm. one's going to raise up their pay grade if the upper guys are still accepting lower pay. So if they raise their standards, then everybody else has to raise their standards. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous what fighters will allow themselves to do simply because, again, that mentality of all I need to do is be good at this. And that's not true in any sport, in no sport whatsoever. If Michael Jordan would have signed a contract for Converse instead of Nike, things would be way different than they yeah. are. <laughs> you know, maybe that deal would have failed. Maybe Nike wouldn't have been able to, or Converse wouldn't have been able to market him as well as Nike did, you know, which now I think Nike bought out Converse. But in any case, you know, marketing is an important side of a fighter's life and job and career. There are so many fighters who go, I just beat him up. All right, cool. Now what? Exactly. Followers on your social media. How many people are really showing up to watch you fight? No matter how mm -hmm. good you are. You might I make a highlight reel, but are you marketable? Because if you're not, no one's going to pay you. That's the thing, right? Like uh, I always, it comes down to return for me as a promoter. Like it's, it's how many tickets are you going to sell me? Period. Like it's yeah, at the exactly. end of the day, like you want this amount of money versus, okay, well, here's how much that you should be selling. If you're demanding this amount of money, this is how much you should be selling. And also you should be on social media perform, like promoting yourself properly, like not talking shit. I, like, well, you can talk shit. Don't get me wrong, but you know, in a respectful kind of way. Right. But I guess if that makes any sense, but hold yourself accountable and be like, we like good role model kind of people here. And that's kind of what we lead by a good example. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, just understand that there are, there are more reasons than just fights that people show up to watch you. Some people will show up to support you no matter yeah. what happens when lose or draw, they're only there to support you. They could care less how good of a fighter you are. 
right? And yeah. that, that sells some tickets, right? And some people are able to get by on that and do fairly well in their careers. Like, for instance, I think Clay Guida was one of those guys who was a draw. And yeah. his fight record wasn't great. I mean, he wasn't towards the, the tail end. I mean, he was losing almost every fight he was getting into, you know? And I'm not sitting here being so – there's going to be some statistician on here watching going, well, statistically, man, yeah. like, I'm just yeah. saying, like – Dude, he just wasn't an upper echelon guy like that, but he was entertaining and people wanted to watch him to support him, whether he won or lost. And that's a draw for some people. Yeah. Other people, they have to play a heel. Like Colby Covington right now, it's no, it's not even a question if that guy's playing a character. He's yeah. playing a character because he wants you to not like him because if you don't like him, you will pay to watch him fight, to watch him lose. Mayweather exactly. did the same thing. He played yeah. the heel, so that way you wanted to watch him lose, and he wouldn't, and then that pissed you off more to make you want to watch again, mm-hmm. you know? So, Which is smart, you know, the, that's yeah. good stuff if if you can play it, and, you know, if you can actually, like, follow through with it, too, and back it up and take the fights, and Kobe, you know, it's it's interesting what he's doing right now. I, I don't know if uh, I'm, I'm – I am a fan of his fighting style, just of his pace, but mm. it's it's cringeworthy, man. Sometimes it's cringeworthy for sure. Well, he is a, he's a good fighter, man. Like you can't take that away yeah. from him. obviously where he's leveled himself at and where he is in the UFC right now. He's good. He's earned his yeah. spot there. But like he just, I think he's one of those people that just hasn't quite figured out how to play the role that he set himself up for. Or if you look at like a, a McGregor, I think that people like that when they're they're playing the heel or they're being loud like that. They're just basically pushing out a version of themselves. They're just hyping that version of themselves up more. Like Chael Sonnen, I think, probably does it better than anybody else I've ever seen do it in the game. Because Chael Sonnen has a very specific pace and tone and tempo and way that he speaks. And when he gets in front of a a presser, man, nobody handles it like he does. He just takes that that little part of his personality and he projects it out onto the other person and just verbally murders people before he ever gets into the ring with them. So even if he loses the fight, he has yeah. definitely made fun of you enough. <laughs> yeah. But Colby's got a, like, that's the thing. It's it, Colby's not natural like that. You know, even though he's selling, it's a character. It's not as natural. Like Chael, like you say, it just it rolls off the tongue so nicely. I found Connor was very similar like that, even though it was a little, not as good as Chael, obviously, but some of the things he would say, you're just like, wow. And his accent and his bravado, everything, like it all went together perfectly i gotta say yeah i really wish younger fighters coming up like i think one thing that younger fighters who are about to turn pro do really well now uh, that i've noticed is they start to try to get management or representation to help them i think that that's really smart uh, because it's it shows that they understand that there's a part of this they don't know and so rather than just trying to figure it out as they go they actually are taking someone else's advice who's been there and done that and letting them kind of guide them in a way to help them. Now, of course, it's not free, but at no. the same time, like nothing's free. You know, you might not ever make it without certain things. Like, if you watch uh, Dana White, uh, his show is like Looking for a Fight. Yeah. I think that's the name of it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, but when he goes and he's looking for particular fighters, I think fighters in their head think that the only thing that he's looking for is the skill. He's looking just like any other talent agent. He's looking for something that's going to make you stand out. Mm-hmm. And I watched this thing. It was a documentary about modeling. And it was a lady who ran a modeling agency. And she said, I can find attractive people anywhere in the world. She goes, I don't want you to just be attractive. I want you to have something that is unique that no one else has in the world. 
So this modeling agency would hire people who had like a gap in their teeth. They'd be beautiful, but that gap would make them stand out above all the other supermodels. They'd be like, hey, that's the one I want. Because what would happen is you would put a face with a brand then. You Oh, isn't that that freckle lady from that yeah. commercial? And then you automatically associate that with the brand. If it's just some generic attractive person, you're not going to remember how to associate them. Didn't I see them in a movie? And you might get it wrong. And so fighting is very similar. If I say style bender, you automatically know who that is. You mm -hmm. automatically know his real name. You automatically know how he fights. You automatically know a lot about that dude and you know what promotion he's with. And so that's important when building a brand is as fighters or as promoters, you need to get fighters who are going to basically stand out for your brand, even if they're not the greatest fighter in the world. You can get somebody who's going to draw people and that's somebody you're going to be loyal to because they're going to reciprocate that back to your brand. Yeah, very true. We got any of you fighters out there on the Maritimes listening. This is great advice. Great advice. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And uh, we have lots of characters out here. I got to say we are, we're kind of lucky out here in the Maritimes. So if you're down in Florida, if you're not familiar with the Maritimes, you've probably never been up here to Atlanta, Canada. Uh, Nova Scotia. No, I'm not Canada. No. no. Well, if you, so if you if you came up the, the east coast and you went right above Maine, we're just kind of up above Maine to the right, like Nova Scotia, Newfoundland area, and uh, so we're allowed to do fights very soon. Uh, we're doing a grappling event here, but we're also allowed to go back and do MMA again here soon. But it's only fighters within the maritime pro the four provinces. So. Okay. Um, it should be some interesting rivalries we'll be uh, putting on for the next. Well, that's a Canadian so, accent I'm hearing. That's a Canadian accent oh, yes, okay. on, on the east coast of Canada. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I want to talk to you. You know, uh, well, it's interesting. I guess since I'm up in Canada, let's talk about guns real quick. Uh, up here, up here in Canada, we don't really like. There's, I shouldn't say we don't. I don't. But uh, I have lots of buddies who hunt and stuff, and uh, you can't open carry. You can't do any of that kind of stuff up here. But there's lots of shotguns and stuff. They recently tried to take it. I, I think they did make it illegal after this whole COVID thing. They made it illegal to own like, like even an AR-15. I think it is. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> like a like a. So it's it's interesting how the rules are so different. Like, how's everybody down there with the COVID, and how's everybody handling the whole situation? Florida's pretty much been open the whole time. I think. Eh? Well, we actually only last week our governor had announced it may have even been earlier this week maybe the weekend or something like that but it was only within the last week or so where the governor has said hey florida's back to being open but he's leaving it up to city to city to make their own decisions about how they want to open and so where i am unfortunately we still have to wear masks indoors um i just never understood a lot of the logic behind mm -hmm. all of it it just seems very flawed um, like for instance, if I walk into a restaurant, I have to wear a mask in the lobby, but when I sit down, I don't have to wear a mask. I know. It's, is it not going to follow me in here? Is yeah. it going to stop and wait to be seated? Yeah. To like, to infect yeah. me? Is that what's up? <laughs> yeah, um, well, like, you know, you're required to wear a mask, which basically just states that you have to cover your face and your mouth, which means I can do this and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Cover my face and my mouth with a shirt. They didn't tell you what type of anything to wear. They didn't give you any standards. Like I see people walking around with the stupidest shit on their face and it's like that medically doesn't do anything, but by law that's they're they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And a lot of it's, it's very strange to me how, like you were talking about firearms um, earlier. So just to kind of wrap back to that, I, I don't 
personally like to go hunting. I'm not a big hunter. I don't mm-hmm. do that. Right. I like to learn about firearms. I like to learn about how to shoot. I like to go to a range. I enjoy all of that. I enjoy tactical shooting. I think that's really fun. Um, but I just never was one of those guys that was just like happy to go out and go hunting. It's just never my thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to like guns, I've always been a big uh, supporter of firearms, mostly because I've taught for years. I mean, like shit, I've been, like I said, I've been in this for 23 years. And over the years, if you're an instructor, you start to realize and see patterns in people. Mm-hmm. You see people who have like cerebral palsy, or you see people who have mental disorders, or you see people who have physical disabilities or injuries that prevent them from being able to do things the way you would do them. And I think a lot of people who are not pro-gun, and I'm not saying this is 100% the reason why, I'm sure there's a million reasons why, but a lot of people tend to think that a gun for self-defense is ridiculous because they are able-bodied. But when I've taught people who had cerebral palsy, I don't care how many how many classes you take, you will not physically be able to protect yourself against an able-bodied person that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just... I, I don't want to be rude and I don't want to make fun of them, but I want to tell them the truth. The reason they joined martial arts isn't the reason that you're doing it. And so they do want to learn personal protection, but there's that moment of real a realization where they go, fuck, I, I'm not here for martial arts at all. Mm-hmm. Like we had a guy, he came in, had cerebral palsy. He had the arm crutches and he couldn't really stand on his own without them. He'd walk out onto the mat when we would line up and he would try to stand in line with all of us. But every time he'd fall to his knees, every time. And I told him, I was like, hey, dude, you can start on your knees. He goes, no, I'm going to try to stand. And by the time he got his blue belt, it was like a two years later, like a year and a half, two years later, he was able to walk onto the mat, stand on his own, walk up, accept the belt, and walk back and wow. stand on his own. That was his accomplishment. Would he ever be able to go toe-to-toe with another person who didn't have cerebral palsy? Probably not. But for him, I would recommend him get a firearm. I'd recommend him get a knife because you would need that equalizer in order to survive, you know? Um, But, you know, everybody joins martial arts for different reasons. Yeah, it's interesting. Like for me, like I've never held a gun ever in my life. So that's how naive I am. Uh, (laughs) But I'm a black belt in jujitsu. And I, I look at it like, well, I still probably like, I look at, I kind of look at like the whole Anthony Smith thing that just happened recently. And I'm like, man, if, if that's the kind of stuff I think about when I'm, if like, if I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night, if someone's coming in my house, it's like, if, if Anthony Smith couldn't kick the shit out of that guy, <laughs> the chances of me doing it are not good. Right. So it's like, I think the more protection, the better. I'm not against firearms in any way, shape or form. I'm just not exactly confident you know, because I haven't been around them. So, you know, but I think they certainly have a place, man, uh, you know, in protection and, and whatever it is, a hobby. Like if you, you know, everybody's like, you can't be going up here, like telling everybody, you know, taking their guns away. It's kind of crazy, well, man. You know, like for instance, just the ones behind me, right? Like the one on the bottom, oh shit, sorry, the camera's backwards. Yeah, the no. Was given to me by my stepfather. My stepfather was really big into hunting. Well, he has Alzheimer's right now, so he doesn't even know who I am. So for me, I'll never shoot that gun again. Mm-hmm. It's going to sit there because it means something to me. So if somebody were like, yo, we're going to take that, I'd be like, fuck you. Yeah, I, exactly. It, yeah. it has nothing to do with shooting people. This is something sentimental to me that means something to me. The one above it is a, pro- a company that sponsors me. <laughs> and nice. that's soda cans, dude. It just happens to be on an AR-15 frame. This thing literally shoots soda cans and rubber balls, right? Wow. Jesus. But 
from our law, that's technically a firearm because of the, the, the lower receiver. So like if I were to just buy the barrel, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> if I buy a lower receiver, that's a firearm. Illegal. Wow. Illegal. Well, not illegal, but if it was fully auto, it'd be illegal. But if that, if it came down to a firearm being illegal, the soda can launcher would technically be called illegal at that point. <laughs> right. And, so, like, and then that's I have awesome. my AR-15, right. And so I have a couple more ARs and I have a couple more guns, but like I've just finished my office. So I still got to get them hung up. But like the idea to me isn't necessarily like um, to go out and hunt and things like that. I mean, the idea for me is the what ifs. And I'm a big what-if guy. I, why do I train martial arts? Because if I ever needed it, I would have it. Yeah. Right? Same thing with a firearm. Like I see all these people who are going through life right now and all the riots and things like that. And I see people who are like going and burning people's homes down and burning people's businesses down. Like if there's a mob of 50 people outside, I'd much rather have that with me than not have it. <laughs> That's the thing, man. That's a, that's exactly it. Like I, I have a lot of what ifs too. I question that kind of, you know, I, I'm i up here in rural Nova Scotia, random Nova Scotia, but you know, I say that, but then there was the biggest mass attack in Canada it happened here. Like in March, this guy, you probably didn't hear about it, but this guy basically in the middle of the night when he was dressed as a cop and he went around and started just pulling people over and went to their house and started he killed like 23 people. And then himself, he, he, he had like a replica cop car. He was dressed as a cop and all this crazy shit. Like, so this kind of stuff can happen anywhere. There's crazy people everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's a shame though, man. Like, and in all honesty, like my personal opinion is I wish guns never did get invented. But unfortunately, they did get invented. And since they did become invented, you can't uninvent them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, so like, what are we going to Okay, So you're basically just saying, like, whenever you start doing like heavy, heavy, heavy restrictions, all you're really saying is you can't have them, but I can. It's yeah. like, well, why do you get them? <laughs> if yeah. they're so bad, why do you get to have them? Oh, well, we're protecting <laughs> you. Because I'm rich. rich. If exactly. I have my own, I can protect myself. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. Right? I didn't get a chance to read what that popped up on the screen. Oh, uh, where do you see? Oh, that's Jason, I think. Jason DeLore. Being hunters, they can totally be family heirlooms. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> man, it's more than just shooting things and people. We bring we bring uh we bring up the positive comments always. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there are negative ones too. <laughs> what uh you know, I guess we'll get off the whole guns topic here. You know, do you think fighting will go back? What what's your whole outlook on this like i i personally i don't know if, if fighting is going to go back to the way it was where fighters are going to be traveling all over the world once again like ufc yes that kind of level but i don't know if regionally i don't know if the sport's going to get back to there what do you think it'll eventually get back to there i mean like i i like to always put things up to like a comparison so what do we compare this to well i guess the closest thing we can really compare it to is like the flu right the flu in the United States is one of the top 10 killers every year. Feel free to look mm -hmm. up that because that's a real stat. So yeah. like the flu every year is one of the top 10 killers, right? So we got heart disease. We got car accidents. We got the flu, right? And so every year when the flu season comes around, we don't shut down businesses. We don't tell people to wear a mask. It's like, ah, fuck them. Yeah. And we have for that, but we don't have one for COVID. And so what kills me is like when flu season has come around, like it does every year, none of this shit happens the way that it's happened. And people go, oh, well, it's different. It's more dangerous. And statistically this year, like flu will still kill more people than COVID will. And yeah. so even with a vaccine, 
And so when I'm looking at it, I'm not saying that it's not dangerous, but what I am saying is that what's happening now is kind of unprecedented in how people are handling this. It's mm -hmm. different and it's very odd and it doesn't seem to have a real baseline of a standard. For instance, in California, if you walk outside, you're supposed to wear a mask. That's what they're telling people in California. You walk outside, you're supposed to wear a mask. Now, a lot of people aren't doing that, but that's what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Gyms and businesses are shut down over there. Meanwhile, the damn thing's on fire. All kinds <laughs> of bad things happen in California. People are leaving, yeah. right? Kind of sucks to be over there. But then in Georgia, they made it so that way it is illegal to tell people they have to wear a mask. <laughs> And then in Florida, I don't have to wear a mask when I'm outside, but if I walk inside a business, I have to wear a mask. And so it's very confusing as to like, if this is like treated like something serious, you would figure there would be a universal standard. This is the mask you have to wear. You have to wear this kind of mask. We will make sure that we get one to you. So you like what kills me is we were able to give a stimulus check to us, right? So they gave us like a couple thousand dollars a piece. They were like, here, here's the economic stimulus. Here's some money. Right. You could afford to do that, but you couldn't ship us a mask that would save our lives. Like yeah. it's hard to money when I'm fucking dead. <laughs> you know, like, I, just I just don't understand the standard. That's all. And so it's, it makes it very confusing. It's like, well, what's the standard? Like uh, you're up on you're on this coast. You're just happy to be in Canada. Yeah. Same you're thing, like, though. Like we have to wear a mask when we go in anywhere. It's same. You know, you have to wear a mask while you go in the restaurant. And then when you sit down, you take it off. Same. Bullshit. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just all very confusing, you know, and I'm one of those people where I like to look at both sides to try to understand the problem so I can make my own educated decision. And I, I just look at the numbers and I just look at the standard. And the standard is there is no standard in the United States. You have to treat it state by state. And then I look at, OK, well, what are each state doing and what seems to be the universal standard? And universally, it seems that most places just require you to wear a mask when you go inside. But how long you have to wear the mask, what places of the building you have to wear the mask. That's way different. Like, do you have to wash the mask? <laughs> yeah. Do you? Yeah. Like, and <laughs> I have a palate, which sucks. So I happen to fall into one of those categories where I have a breathing impairment. And so I don't have to wear the damn thing. Yeah. But in order for me not to get into an argument every 30 feet, uh, <laughs> I put it on and then I have to take it off to breathe again. So I basically, anytime I'm going out into the public, I feel like I'm waterboarding myself or suffocating because I'm walking out into public with a breathing impairment and I walk out and I'm like, fuck, this sucks. This sucks so bad. The first jujitsu class, because I took a little time off when COVID hit and gyms were closed. Then gyms opened back up in Florida. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go back. <laughs> and, train. and so I put on my mask and unfortunately I had to wear a mask when I was training. Oh, and like, no. you've never done, uh, like let's say an hour and a half two hours of a class you know you do your warm-ups you got a little mist a little sweat <laughs> yeah then after you're done with your warm-up all right let's drill now you start to do some like toriando passes getting warmed up all right cool a couple sweeps a couple throws all right feeling good now you should be in a pretty good sweat your mask is also in that yeah. good sweat oh, and so God. now i'm trying to breathe through this damn mask like <laughs> <laughs> Please stop. And I'm already out of shape. Like I took all that time off. <laughs> like How I do you breathe any damn way. So and everybody kept the mask on for real. Did you guys keep the mask on still? Or everybody cheat? We, right we did for that entire class. And then a week later, my instructor was like, fuck it. We're just not gonna <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, man. Like, yeah, fuck. There's no way you can do that with a mask on. Like it that's old Wagner Rocher just <laughs> now you put the hand over the mask. <laughs> you guys uh, down in Florida, it's interesting because 
that they say that, but all but the UFC like I've seen like MMA events go on with fans and nobody wearing a mask in Florida. You know, so I'm gonna I'm gonna toss out my own opinion, and I know people are gonna disagree, but I don't care. That's the beauty of open discourse. Yeah, um, exactly. It. Is, uh, you know, I feel, and this is kind of a little bit of a George Carlin thing, but it's it's very true, and it's something that rings true to me is that we don't really have rights; we have privileges. And so you you feel like you have rights, but the truth is is that you really don't. You just have privileges that are given to you. So like we feel like we have the right in the United States to open up a business. You don't because that could be taken away from you, mm -hmm. right? Which happened to a lot of people. A lot of businesses closed, right? You feel like you have the right to say whatever it is that you want to say. You don't because if you say the wrong thing at the wrong time to the wrong person and then the wrong person hears it, they can take away your entire life. Yeah. So you don't have that right. You have a privilege. And so I feel like we only do have two basic human rights. I think we get to choose how we're going to live and we get to choose how we're going to die. That is it right now. You might make the decision and it might get you in trouble, but you still have that right. If I want to go outside and take a crap on the sidewalk while singing the, uh, the national anthem, I can do that. Now, will I get in trouble for that? Probably, but I had the right to be able to do that. Now, mm -hmm. after that, I might've made a decision of how I'm going to live the rest of my life, which might be somewhere in jail if a kid walked by. Right. Yeah, yeah. I also have the decision to choose how I want to die. If I want to make a decision to walk outside and jump in front of a city bus and that's it, I can do that. I can do that. I can just yeah. go. If I want to dive off a cliff head first, I can do that. If I want to hang myself. If I want to die going out to a gym and trying to be healthy and better my life and I happen to catch that and it kills me, I made that decision to do so. I personally don't think that you should shut down businesses and take away other people's personal accountability. If people want to open up their businesses and no one decides to go to that business, at least they have the opportunity to try. Yeah. You know, and people are like, oh, well, what about people who have pre-existing conditions? Use your common sense. If you know that you are around people who will have pre-existing conditions or people who are more predisposed to being killed by COVID, then you should be an adult and make the adult decision to not be around other people to help the people in need that you know. If you aren't like that and you're single and there's no one else in your life and the only people you were going to see are people in the gym, you are both making the same decision to take that risk. You should be able to have that right to do so. Mm -hmm. But when you basically say, eh, no, you're just not going to be able to. Why not? Because fuck you. That's why. Yeah, oh, pretty well, like, and that's like it. Parent, it's like a parent telling you because I said so. It's yeah. like, all right, well, we're adults now, so you can tell me a reason. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that well, the epidemiology says so. That's why, you know, <laughs> uh -huh. up here. So another thing, we we got. The, I love all that logic, by the way. I think it's exactly money hit the hit the the head. I don't know what I'm fucking trying to say there. Hit the <laughs> hit the money. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Hit, hit anyway, the money on the nail is what we yeah, did. Yeah, we'll say. Hit the money on the nail. But <laughs> if, you know, up here. So if you come to the Maritimes. We have it one further. So you have to do a two week quarantine. So that's what I'm in right now. So I just got back from a whole from I didn't even leave our country. I stayed in the country. I went to a different state for like province and flew back. And now I, I have to stay in my house for two weeks. But we also have to wear masks. So we have like one case here. But the way I look at it is like if I'm have to wear a mask everywhere, open up the country. Or if you're keeping us closed. We have no cases. Then don't make me wear a mask. 
<laughs> it's it's counterproductive to me. Like, well, did they even know. tell you what kind of mask you had to wear? Or were they no, just no, 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 uh, just disposable mask. Same as you, like, same whatever. Here, this just any kind of mask, but not a scarf, not one of these like things. Like all of a sudden, those are different. I don't know what they are. <laughs> they say those are those aren't acceptable. Do you know which one? They're like a. They're ones that like people were selling with logos on them and stuff. But who's gonna? It's not mandatory. So who's gonna tell you you can't? Like, yes, yeah, it's, me, it's a very odd time to live, to be honest. Like, especially as martial artists. Like, and what I've noticed, and I was doing free seminars, and I've still been doing this. I've been doing free online seminars for people who have had hard times financially with their martial arts studio. I've been doing business consulting for a decade. I like helping martial arts studios out, and so I've been doing it for them for free to help them get over this hump because a lot awesome. of people weren't prepared. Um, they didn't have a fund, a, a rainy day fund set aside. They didn't, they weren't prepared to do a lot of things online. They weren't prepared to go, okay, well, how do we get around this? And they just weren't financially savvy. They just weren't ready. And then when this hit, I mean, so many people got either shut down or closed. Yeah. And I hate saying that because I want to see the industry grow and it can't grow if they're not open. <laughs> so like, you got that right. Yeah. It's just, so sad, man. It's it's super sad. And I hate seeing good businesses shut down because they just simply weren't financially ready. It's it's very, very, very sad to see. Yeah. it's. I know, uh, like, we've had probably two or three clubs kind of close here. And I just saw a big club in, in Ontario yesterday, Parabellum, which is a large MMA club. They, you know, a lot of the, you know, very talented pro and amateurs out of the Ontario scene train there and uh like they've been open for probably 10 years now and they just shut down because they i think they kept it open for like six months without being open and then mm -hmm. they finally got the green light to open again and now of course they're in a second wave so they shut them back down again so they're like we like we tried eight months so now they'll come back in a different location i guess but it's fuck it's hard yeah, like I think that I just I really do just think that if some of those people just had a little bit more business sense, this wouldn't be as bad as they think. So like a couple free give you free advice here. So like out there, right, every summer, no matter where your martial arts gym is, retention rates drop. Retention mm -hmm. rates drop during the summertime. That's because you're gonna have less kids there because they're going on vacation. You're gonna have less kids there unless you do a summer camp. You're gonna have less adults there because they're they're free for a little bit of time. They gotta watch their kids. No matter what, your retention rate's gonna drop during the summertime. So you have to make supplementary classes and do supplementary uh, events or uh, tournaments or summer camps or something to supplement that income or mm -hmm. like a, a three month boot camp something to be able to make up for that income. And if you don't know or aren't aware of that, that drop off, when summer hits, you're always going to be like, what happened? We don't get yeah. it. It happens every year. It's nothing new. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Prepared. Um, and so what I think, what I saw was businesses were closing within the first month of lockdowns. And what that showed me was is they didn't, they weren't prepared for summer. And if they weren't prepared for at least three months with yeah. a game, they damn sure weren't going to make it through their summer. They were mm -hmm. probably going to close anyway. So like a couple of things that were really easy to do that I didn't see very many people do is they were going, okay, well, we're just closing our business. Why? Why aren't you offering online classes? And I know as the guy who runs McDojo, like people are like, oh, online class. They're not as good, but they keep you afloat. Yeah, no one yeah. take the seminar or the class from the guy who's living in the cardboard box. You got to do what you got to do to survive to get to the next port. What did people do with their contracts? People just were like, well, you can cancel if you want. That's fucking dumb. That's the piece yeah. of the contract. Or you can say, hey, how about this? If you pay us in full now during this time, I'll give you half off for the rest of your life with us. 
if you can, if you help us weather this storm and the people who are loyal will show their loyalty by doing yeah, it. Yeah, certainly. And then you can give them the other option. You can say, or you can pay half now because we understand we don't have a physical facility to go to continue the online training, continue the supplemental classes that we're offering you. And then when things go back to normal, we'll just go back to normal payments when we open the doors back. And that, but that works with your client. That works with your customer to make sure that you can ease and weather the storm. But a lot of people were just like, fuck it, we're closed. Like, did you really give a fuck to begin with? Did you really prepare enough? Like, it's a technique just like any other technique. All this was was somebody laid on their back and pulled guard financially. Yeah. yeah. What are you going to do about it? Oh, God, I fell in the guard. Oh, no, I'm just going to lay there. Oh, God, you guillotine choking. Why the fuck didn't you try to pass or leg lock or anything other than what you're doing? You know? Yeah. That's that's interesting because I did see a shit ton of clubs close and it's interesting to to kind of think about that because here we I didn't see a lot of online classes here either so it's interesting I wonder if it varied from area to area now obviously up here in where our area our entire province is under a million people so mm -hmm. we're really small like and when I say like twenty five clubs in that area which it, to to me I think it's 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 an impressive number but. It's, I don't know, business. I When I started in this kind of sport too, you know, it's amazing to see how many people run clubs that aren't really great business people at yeah. all. Which, you know, like I'm one of those people where there's plenty of things that I don't do well. There's plenty yeah, of things too. I don't do well. Yeah. And so I think half the battle of running a good uh, business is understanding the holes and finding the things you don't do well and then reaching out for the help to be able to get better at it or hire somebody who is good at it. So that way they can run that side of things. And we have, we spend what years and years and years of our life dedicated under one instructor. You know, some people, they bounce around, but most people, yeah. we, we find the organization we like, we find the instructor we like, and we learn from them for years and eventually get our black belt through them. And it's, it's a thing sometimes decades. Sometimes yeah. a decade, right? But years of your life is dedicated to learning from this one dude or female, right? But then when it comes to business, right? Instead of acknowledging like you did with the martial arts and go, well, I didn't know what I was doing. So I hired somebody to teach me how to do it. You go to business and go, I don't know what I'm doing, but fuck it. I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the equivalent of saying, hey, bro, I don't know martial arts, but I'm from the streets. I'm yeah. The street. yeah, that's the equivalent of saying that in business. It's you know. funny you say that because men have this, and I don't know if women are the same, I'm not sure, but men definitely have this bravado where it's like, ah, you know, kind of like, kind of like martial arts where uh, you can't, you know, I know how to fight, but it's like, I know how to run a business. Well, it's like, fuck, no, you don't. Like, <laughs> no, you don't. That's okay. It's okay. It's totally okay. I don't you know what that. I'm doing either. We're like, you know, that my business partner, we're, he, he's, he, that's his kind of side of thing. Like he's fantastic at running the behind the scenes kind of business. Like he's ran like five, he's involved in five or six or whatever he involved in. Right. And very, very good at that kind of stuff. And together we make a fantastic team and that's, you know, you have to surround yourself with good people who can help you in that regard and, and teach you things. And you have to be vulnerable and, and open to it. Just like how you started this show, man, you have to become full circle. You have to be open to opinions and learning because if you're not, you're not growing. Yeah. And I have the dumbest job in the world. If you think about it, I mean, I mean, I, I, I hope I help people, you know, I call out frauds, fakes and phonies, but like I had to figure out the job. Like it didn't really exist. There were like little blueprints here and there, but there wasn't anything to make a full picture, you know? And so it was like, 
hey, you want to do this for a living, huh? And I was like, yep, I kind of do. And then I asked myself, all right, well, how do you do that? I, go, I don't fucking know. <laughs> like, okay, well, I guess I got a lot of reading to do. And you know, you, you just read and you study and you look at people who did it better than you. Mm -hmm. You acknowledge that they did it better than you and you try to figure out how they did it. And then you do the one thing that most people are terrified to do, especially dudes, right? You just ask for help. You go, hey man, uh, how the hell did you do that? <laughs> and nine times out of 10, the nicest people on the planet will reach back out to you. Like you'd be amazed. Like I think that out of nine out of 10 people that I reach out to that I think would never write me back, write me back. Yeah, I, I kind of would have to agree with that. It's interesting that you say it because not. I would even say 10 out of 10, really. Like people are very giving with their time and willing to help out the most part. And it's funny, your, your own psyche, you're like, ah, they wouldn't, they wouldn't want to help me. But this world is filled with wonderful, helpful people. It really is without having to, it's like yourself. Like I just reached out and I'm like, Hey, I'm a fan. I'd love to have you on our podcast. Boom. Within seconds. But just to see how quick you like, here you are with 350,000 followers or whatever on Instagram, getting probably shit tons of messages every day. Cause I know what we get. And if you're on the ball, it just shows like when you're, when you're reaching back right away, you're like, Oh, this guy actually is on, he's really on the ball and that's how he's become so successful. He cares. I think step one of any being successful in anything is to give a shit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like I'm always blown away by like people who have like a, a good start. I guess you could say the people who have the 10,000, the 20,000, the 30,000 followers. And it's not about that. Like I could give, Two shits less if 250 people or 250,000 people dropped off tomorrow. Yeah. Because there are 250,000 people who do not support what you do. If I had five people and they were the most supportive people on the planet, that could get you to an upper echelon of a better status in your life. It's five people who give a damn. Followers are cool. It's kind of neat where you can look and go, oh, these people follow me. But what good are they? Exactly. You know, like, are they doing you any benefit whatsoever? Because I mean, like uh, when people come up, so you you can like some people pay for their followers, which is the dumbest shit you can yeah. ever do. But they'll pay for their followers, right? And when they pay for them, they think they're gonna become famous somehow. Like you paid, like let's say you had five followers and you paid for five thousand, you still really only have five followers. Totally. <laughs> Just because yeah, exactly. the number changes doesn't mean shit. Then like when people go reaching out for sponsorships, they be like, hey man, like after they buy their followers, they be like, hey man, look at all the followers <laughs> I have. The first thing that that company is going to do is ask you for your statistics. Mm. They're going to say, hey, man, well, let's see what your last story posted. Let's see what your last posted. And when they see that only five people looked at your thing, they're going to go up. Oh, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Moving along now. Five you know, bots. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, you, I think that you should be in whatever it is that you're doing for the love of whatever it is you're doing. Like, you could die, like, right in the middle of doing it. And what would you rather have the last memory be? Oh, I fucking hate this job. I can't believe I got to do all this shit. Or would you be like, ah, oh, ah, oh, well, so-and-so reached out. Let's chit-chat. Like, if you like what you do, like, you're, you're working, but, I mean, you're not really working. Yeah. <laughs> you're just kind of spending your time doing the thing you do anyway. You just happen to be paid for it. Yeah, that's yeah, true. If you can find that thing, man. It's Are you doing daily shows now? Be, like, every day? Man, I'm, I work every day, but uh, so every day I do something a little different. So Mondays I go live um, at 9 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday I go live at 9 a.m. on Instagram. I let anybody join the live and we talk about absolutely anything. Uh, and it's just fun. 
It's a great like, concept. It's one of those things where it's like I get to talk shop. I get to vent. I get to have my own little therapy session, right? I get to like talk about the things that I want to talk about. And I have the coolest fucking sponsors on the planet because they let me say whatever I want to say without question. They, they support me a hundred percent. And that's something that I'm truly grateful for is I have people in my corner who are willing to let me be me, you know, because, because they know that I'm not going to try to misrepresent their brand in some way. And they trust that I'm going to make sure that I say the things in context and say things that if it's my opinion, I will say it is just my opinion. Mm -hmm. If it's, if it's something that I believe, then I say I believe it, but I'm never going to sit there and try to bash for no reason. I'm never yeah. going to just try to make fun of people for no reason. I try to always make sure that it's entertaining and informative. But uh, also on Mondays, we do a McDojo breakdown. So I take one video or instructor and I kind of break down who that person is and I put it on our YouTube channel. Uh, Tuesdays, I do a Technique Tuesday for our YouTube channel where we do uh, I bring in different high-level martial artists to teach legitimate good technique, nice. uh, which is a nice little break from the pace of only dealing with crap. There's a lot of shit out there, man. Yeah, That's man. Crazy. And then Wednesdays is our uh, McDojo news. So I find a news news story that happens in the world, and then I uh, I just kind of talk about it or we discuss it on our YouTube. So I do a lot of stuff on YouTube. Um, and then I have a podcast on Fridays, which I'm actually not really even on. Uh, yes, I, I know. <laughs> run our podcast for us because I don't have honestly no offense, but I just don't have time to run it. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's a good problem to have, though. Like if <laughs> if you can, that's uh, if you can spread your brand that way too, right? That's a that's the beauty of it, right? You don't you don't need to be on everything. You know? Yeah, it was never supposed to be about me to begin with. I just happen to be the guy that runs it. I'm the guy that hits the button. Like it's supposed to be a community project. Yeah, and so. When it comes to like bringing people into the fold, when it comes to getting that help and stuff, I love doing stuff like that. Like if it helps them out and helps me out, let's do it. Yeah, I agree, man. I think that's the thing. Like, I don't know. To, to me, I, I hold a lot of regard in that, like of helping people. I don't mm -hmm. care what your background is. I don't, I don't care. I just want, I want to see you succeed, whether it's a martial arts and life or whatever. So if we can help in any way, shape or form, I think that's a wonderful thing that more people uh, should do and you do a lot of it, man. So keep up the positivity. I love that. One uh, final question for you, I guess, uh, you know, well, you kind of covered a lot of it, um, but you've done so many interviews, like so many, you've spoke to so many people. Who's your favorite? And what, like who, who's someone that really has kind of left a mark on you through all this? Man, I gotta tell you like one of the coolest people that I've really been able to talk to, like I, I gotta say all everybody I've interviewed has been really, really nice. So I haven't had one interview where I was like, I regret that. Um, <laughs> but, like uh, some of the coolest people that I, I've really had the chance to meet and get to know is like Kenny Florian has been nothing but short of amazing. Nice. That dude, he, he has every reason in the world to just basically be, have become a douchebag. Like he could be if he wanted to be. You know, he's like, I yep. can't ignore it, but yep. he's not like that. He's the nicest dude on the planet. Like we're, we're doing a documentary in January. We would have already filmed it if it wasn't for COVID, but we're, we're scheduled to do a documentary in January and he's letting us use his gym to film. Wow. He's going to like, he's just super open to ideas and thoughts. And like, he doesn't know me from Adam, but like, because we've done interviews and because we keep an open dialogue, man, he's just cool like that. Um, Mike Beltran. Also, super stand-up dude. Like, I went to um, first time I flew out to California. He picked me up. He waited. Like, my flight was an hour late. He waited in his car an hour in that 
that that uh that runway where people have the cars. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know how bad that sucks. And he picked me up and he waited the entire, he picked me up. We, we drove around, brought me out to breakfast. We had a good conversation. Like th those are good people, you know, and, you know, even people who like, you don't know very well and you interview, you just kind of get a little deeper sense of who they are. Like uh, Rory McDonald, for instance, like I, I didn't know how religious he was. I wasn't aware of how much of a family man that he is. And I wasn't aware of like, a lot of decisions that he's made in his career had nothing to do with what he wanted and had a lot more to do with what he felt would benefit his family. Like that kind of stuff is really cool to hear because I, I, I think that a lot of fighters who get the spotlight typically talk about themselves a lot. And when you see somebody and you're interviewing them and most of the conversation is about their family and helping mm -hmm. and things for other people. I mean, that's awesome to see. So I love yeah. seeing that. Very um, cool. Yeah, but there's, I mean, I have, I had, have, have had a great opportunity to be able to speak with some amazing people. Um, and I just feel fortunate for that. I mean, I yeah. just, community is amazing. And it, when it comes together, it can do a beautiful thing. Um, I just wish it would do that more. <laughs> yeah, that's true, man. Well, uh, I agree with that. And like, if anybody isn't following you, you know, they should be because you put out great content, you put out good positive stuff, but more, like I said earlier, real shit. Like there's no bullshit about it. It's straight like in heaven sponsors like that, that will back you, man. Like here is a brand, like we do this podcast, but we can't, you know, we, we voice our opinions pretty openly, but also you, you have to kind of be a little bit, you know, somewhat quiet on certain things yeah but uh, <laughs> i'm sure that i miss out on tons of sponsors because of things that i say like you know like i cuss quite often you know i'm from the south too. and I, that was kind of how i was raised and that's just how it comes out like i feel like if i changed to that i would be changing who i am and totally. maybe in time i'll naturally do it and progress which i already know i cuss way less than i used to <laughs> so i feel like maybe i'm becoming more of an adult um but then you know like when it comes down to like your personal opinion it certain sponsors don't want you to say certain things mm -hmm. you know, stay away from this topic don't talk about this don't do this don't talk about that and i think looking at what's happening with like spotify and joe rogan right now is a prime example of a deal was made which i don't know anything about the deal so i'm not going to sit here and pretend i do a deal was made and they let him do his show and then it was like afterwards they seem to be trying to go back and say oh we want to be able to censor your content uh, we uh, pick and choose what episodes we want to be able to even take out segments of things that you say that we don't like, like fuck that. I'll yeah. say what I want, when I want, how I want it. And if people want to go along for that ride, I appreciate that. I do. And if you don't, I wish you well. And I understand like that's in my opinion, how I think most of this should work. If people don't like it, there's an X, there's a power button. You can change the channel. You can, exactly. not, you can even send me messages. Cuss me out. I get death threats all the time. I go live. You can cuss me out to my face, right? I don't care, but you have that right. And I think that's a beautiful right to have that speech, to be able to say the things that are on your mind. Plus, let's be honest. Like if we censored everybody, how would you be able to spot the douchebags? How right. <laughs> and you told them they can't say what's on their mind. Like you can't say that racist word. Well, how am I supposed to know he's a racist? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. that. Like, because that's dumb. Well, how do I know he's dumb? it's true it's very true man it's very true i love that no better words spoken my friend well thank you so much for joining us rob it's been a 
a fantastic hour, man. I really appreciate you do uh, join us. Any shout outs you want to give out to your sponsors or any anything you want to say uh, to anybody up here in the great white north? Sure, man. Like, uh, thank you for the support, dude. I appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you for the chit chat. I always love talking about uh, real fast sponsors. Thank you to Kill Cliff. Thank you to Freeze Sleeve. Thank you to Knuckle Sammy's. And also, thank you to Carolina Custom Foam. Appreciate the hell out of all of you guys. Uh, if you want to check out any of the stuff that we do, you can find us pretty much anywhere at McDojo Life, except for Reddit, because there was some asshole who brought, who made a Reddit thread that says McDojo Life. That's not me. <laughs> And then when I went to go check on it, they, they don't answer their emails or anything. So if you want to see us on Reddit, it's the McDojo Life. <laughs> so it's just all lower capitals, so isn't it? It doesn't really matter. Like you can type it in. If you type in McDojo Life somewhere, usually it's capital M's, uh, then lowercase C, capital D, uh, then capital L. So McDojo Life. Yeah, okay. I had it close. Doesn't really, I mean, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's just habits, habits of how I do it. That's right. That's right. Well, man, again, thank you so much for joining us until next time. Uh, you know, keep doing your great things you're doing down there. Keep staying safe in Florida, man. And, uh, I'll probably get you back on here in the new year. We'll talk some more shop after that election. Anytime, dude, I'm down. All right, buddy. Thanks, Rob. Have a great day. Have a great day. There you have it, folks. Check him out at McDojo life. A great guy, a uh, great fan of our show and we're a great fan of his. Um, hope everybody's doing great at home. We're going to be dropping our episode uh, tomorrow, another episode as well. We're going to be starting to focus on the upcoming event, uh, Fight League Atlantic Submission Kumite, October 24th, live on pay-per-view. Uh, you'll be available to pre-order in the next couple of days on our website, directly from fightleagueatlantic.com. Um, but yeah, more importantly, we'll be having our all the matches, all the athletes that are going to be competing on this show. Uh, so we'll bring the matches, uh, you know, once we do the bracket, uh, we'll bring them on two by two, get them talking smack, start to build up these matches. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in. Again, thanks to our sponsors for this episode, Maritime Madness. Check them out online, maritimemadness.com. Use the code FLA10, save and receive free shipping anywhere in Canada, over $35. All right, folks, have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. Lots of love.